Hello, everyone. Welcome to Better Health While Aging, a podcast that gives you strategies and tips about improving the health and well-being of older adults. We discuss common health problems that affect people over age 60, the best ways to prevent and manage those problems, and we also often address common concerns and dilemmas that come up with aging parents and other older loved ones, like what to do if you're worried about falls or safety or memory, or even the quality of a senior's health care. I'm your host, Dr. Leslie Kernison. I'm a practicing geriatrician, so that means I'm a medical doctor specialized in geriatrics, which is the art and science of modifying healthcare so that it works better for older people and for their families. Today's episode features a special guest, and I'll be speaking with Carol Marek, who is the editor of SeniorCare.com and has written about aging for a long time. And over the past year, she's been focused on a project that I find really interesting, aging advocacy for elder orphans, meaning for older adults who have no spouse or adult children to assist them. As part of this advocacy work, in February, she founded the Elder Orphans Facebook group, and so far, over 3,200 people have joined. As many of you know, for most people, family members are the primary source of support when aging-related challenges come up. But over the past several decades, it's become more common for women to not have children or to never have married. So how should such people prepare to support their own aging needs, and how can we as a society ensure the best possible aging for them? I think these are fascinating questions to consider, so I'm thrilled that Carol was able to join us today to discuss this issue. Carol, welcome to the show. Thank you. So you've been writing about aging and senior living for quite a while. What led you to become particularly interested in the aging issues facing people who are single and have no children? That's a very good question, Dr. Kernison. And the reason is when I was a family caregiver for both my parents for several years, uh, and then once they both passed away, it occurred to me as my age approached uh 58, I realized I'm single, I have no spouse or partner, and I have no children. Uh, so I thought, you know, my parents were, were quite dependent on my siblings and I, and it occurred to me, oh my goodness, who am I going to depend on? So that's when it occurred to me how many people, I looked around and I thought, oh my goodness, my sister is in the same situation, and I have several cousins who are, and many friends who are in the same boat. And I thought, you know, I bet there are thousands of us, and come to find out, there are. (laughs) Right, right. And so you mentioned that your parents um, ended up being fairly dependent on you and your siblings. I mean, in what ways were you helping them? in the last years of their lives and about how much time did you and your siblings provide more than occasional help? Oh my goodness, my mom was living with congestive heart failure and she required quite a bit of medical attention. So, and they lived in a rural community, plus they weren't comfortable driving 25 miles to the doctor's office and to so that she could receive her medical treatments. So that fell into the three sisters, you know, in, that which I was part of that. And so one of us would have to drive my mom to the hospital for a four-hour medical treatment that she needed three times a week. 
Oh, wow. Yeah, it was it was really intensive. And then, of course, she had didn't have very much energy. So we'd help with the cooking, the cleaning, her medical treatments. So she was quite um, needy and needed a lot of uh, attention from us. And um, I don't know, how do you put that in hours? I'd have to sit down and, and calculate it. And then when she passed, my dad uh, was diagnosed with Alzheimer's. Mm. And, and he required quite a bit of help because I would go in every, I lived about 125 miles from him and I would travel um, as often as, as I could on weekends to give my sister who lived in the same city that he, or town that he did, just to give her a break so I could would come in and help him clean and and help him bathe, dress, take him to church, cook his meals and, and things like that. So it, it was quite um quite extensive. And did he live alone during that time? Yes. Or? Yes. He did. Oh. Well and then once it once he became really in well, he wasn't incapacitated, but once he he started losing things quite often, left a stove burning, uh, a couple of things like that. Uh, my, we decided to put him in a nursing home because he, he can no longer take care of himself and it would require full-time help. And I was still working full-time. My sister just, she was working part-time and, and so was both, of, all three of us were working. So we, that's what happened. Yeah, he went into a yeah. nursing home the th- the last two years of his life. But uh, family caregiving, is, as you know, can be uh, very time-consuming and um, energy-consuming. Right, yeah. Well, there are some people who uh, whose lives end uh, fairly quickly, and they're able to do everything for themselves until the, the very end. But quite a lot of people, if they are lucky enough to live to be quite old, do end up going through a phase of some time when they benefit from help from other people or need it. And that sounds like that's what you and your sisters were doing. Your parents were very lucky to have that. But of course, it's been brought up as a problem that we as a society end up relying so heavily on family caregivers because it it is a a lot of work and can be a lot of stress for those family caregivers. And then, of course, uh, not everybody has family that is close by or willing or available. So I think you're just bringing up some really important issues with this focus on people who are single and don't have adult children. Now, how did you decide to settle on the term elder orphan? And I saw in one of your articles early in the year, you were kind of wondering if that was the right term, but it seems like that's the one you settled on. And, and what other terms did you consider? I, I first chose aging alone because elder orphan uh, has a negative kind of tone. Uh, As a matter of fact, when I decided to go, and the reason I decided to go with elder orphans is uh, because Dr. Maria Carney, who is the research geriatrician, who uh, studied this, uh, not really an epidemic, I guess, but uh, uh, who study the predicament of people who are aging along without a spouse or adult children nearby found uh um, well anyway she came she she found that the term elder orphans was actually derived uh, 30 years ago 
and she is reusing it and it's in it's only to be used as a medical term and it does carry a negative connotation and um, I, I get a lot of pushback in my group right now because I have chosen to use elder orphans and the reason for that it, it's a catchier term it really brings the um, our issues to the forefront I mean how can you ignore the term elder orphans Right, right. And I think also just in particular, the word orphan right. kind of emphasizes the lack of available family yeah. and, you know, is, is, seems actually a reasonable term for that. Yeah, I was just going to say, and it also really clarifies the feeling that, that we have being an orphan, having no one to count on. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and, uh, how many people uh, do we think are elder orphans in the United States at this time? What is your what is your investigation uncovered? Because it's SeniorCare.com, we have collated uh, the U.S. Census data from 2010, and it shows that at least 25% of people 65 and older in cities across the U.S. 25% of them live alone. Now, does that mean that they have no adult children nearby? No, it just means that they're living alone. Mm-hmm. So to estimate, well, according to Dr. Carney's research, she has found that, oh gosh, I, I'm sorry, I don't have the numbers in front of me. I, I wish I had, but... Um, there are between the ages of 44 and 63 it's it's closer to 30 percent of the individuals do not have or they are unmarried and they do not have children mm-hmm. and that's and that is from a poll that she or a survey that she that she actually implemented so it's really hard to say. Um, yeah, well, but it's definitely a significant number of people, and I think highlights that we really need a different and better approach to supporting people as they get older, mm-hmm. so that they can still live a uh, live well and thrive, even if they don't have family or spouses at hand to help out. If they, um, or I should say, when, because for most people it's a matter of when, when they end up needing some help with at least some things in their life. So you've been researching options for those facing an aging alone plan. And what have you discovered so far? And what have you found are the key issues that are most important to address and plan for? Well, in in the Elder Orphan Facebook group, of course, we have, we face many issues. Uh, but the ones that are most prominent and the ones that are the most painful uh, is not having anyone around and having the feeling of isolation and uh, lack of social connection. That is probably the most depressing for us. Mm-hmm. Another one is lack of transportation. Let's say, for example, if you have a medical treatment or even a medical event, who do you call? for transportation because you probably cannot drive yourself to the doctor's office. As a matter of fact, if many treatments, uh, the physicians don't want us driving or driving home after the treatment. (laughs) So who do we count on 
for transportation. Fortunately, there are volunteers that in, within cities that do, you know, that do make those services available. Another issue is affordable housing. Mm. Uh, just paying the bills. Uh, many of the members in, in, in the group are living just on Social Security. Now, how in the world does someone pay for housing on Social Security? <laughs> it's beyond right, me. Right, right. Yeah, and especially if you think about looking for housing that, you know, maybe has universal design so that you could still be there if you developed a mobility problem or also it's become more desirable sometimes for people to have housing that's more in urban areas where it's not as essential to drive. Right. Um, but that's often, those areas are often quite expensive. That's right. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And that's what I'm looking at right now myself is living in an urban area. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's, that's a huge issue. Mm -hmm. Well, there has been a lot of interest in sort of better places uh, to be living as one grows older, partly for that, you know, social connection that you mentioned, because we do know that there are lots and lots of people who are lonely, who often live alone and might become isolated, especially if they develop any health problems that makes it harder for them to get out of the house and drive. And um, so housing is really important. And I know you wrote an article at one point about co-housing and some of the other options. And could you tell us a little bit more about co-housing and the other promising possibilities that you found for people who are aging alone and are looking for the right living environment to support that? Sure. Co-housing uh, is, is uh, there are, you know, different aspects of co-housing. I mean, to you and me, co-housing could be uh, having a roommate move into your home and sharing your house in order to make an extra income uh, and also just to have some, some semblance of a relationship within the home or a, you know, a feeling of companionship. Now, there's also co-housing that is like a designed, intentional community, meaning that people come together and, uh, and design a neighborhood, a small neighborhood, where they build their own homes. It could, what the homes look like, it doesn't really matter. It could be single-family homes. It could be a condominium building. But with they, they're building that small community with intention, the intention to have companions around, with intention to have uh, shared values, to share your, your life with uh, other people. Uh, but yet, at the same time, you have your own single space, or if you are married, you, the, as a couple, you have your own individual spaces, your own individual home, single family home, if that's the design of the, of the little small community. Um, so that's one way. Uh, but there are other, you know, ways to share your home. Let's say you live in the suburbs and you need to make extra income. More and more people are using uh, websites like the Golden Girls, for example, and Silver Nest, and which is very similar to, Silver Nest is very similar to Airbnb, but Usually people, you know, have a kind of, Airbnb gives a connotation of short term, but Silver Nest is more of a long term living situation. So you're really opening your home to uh, someone to move in, like a, you know, sharing, uh, you have a roommate, for example, and they rent uh, a bedroom. Right. So I, I can see how that would go a long way towards addressing companionship 
and improving people's social environment. And that's really good for health. And also, you know, can help from a safety perspective in that, you know, if, if there's ever an emergency or you need help, there's more likely to be someone around who can pitch in. But you were mentioning how your parents really needed a lot of help with with chores, with uh, meals, it sounded like, with transportation, you know, sort of more help with what we call the instrumental activities mm-hmm. of daily living, those those skills that people usually learn as teenagers that are part of being an independent adult, like managing one's finances and transportation and home maintenance and preparing meals. Do you think a roommate would be able to take some of that on? And in your group, have people talked about whether they'd be willing to do that for a roommate? Or is the thought more that you end up getting a roommate who's a younger person and part of the way they pay their rent is to do a certain amount of of helping? That's a good idea. (laughs) I like that. Um, With intentional communities and and co-housing, which I'm classifying co-housing as a intentional community, you... That's when people come together and build their their little small neighborhood, they create the, their own values. They create their own plan of what that would look like. And for example, many co-housing situations or intentional community, communities are built with long-term care in mind. So what they do is they might build a very small apartment on the property to hire one or two caregivers so that as the residents become older they they have someone they can count on to you know to help them with instrumental uh, activities as well as uh, you know the activities of daily living right so but if if you're opening just your home like through silver nest for example or golden girls then if you wanted, and it's interesting because we have those stories or those those discussions in the Facebook group, and and people would say, yes, I I would like to have a roommate, or someone would say, maybe I'd like to be someone's roommate, but I don't want to be a caregiver. Well, that makes perfect sense because they probably need a caregiver also, right? Or will need a caregiver at some point. So that, again, if you have discussions and you put in place, I mean, that, you know, you have to be really clear what is it that you're looking for and what are you willing to do and not do from both both parties. Uh, but I like your idea of um, opening your home to, say, a college student and maybe charging less rent if they would do certain, you know, could give you certain amount of certain time to help you with, uh, let's say, home maintenance or cooking or cleaning your home. I, do, a, do an exchange. You know, I, I like that idea. Maybe meal preparation and right. grocery shopping, you know, might be a, a, a fair trade. I think it's also, you know, um, you were mentioning before that intentional communities might design a space where there could be some people living or working to help the others. And it's true that when people come together, then it might be possible to, to more easily share a few caregivers to help out those who, who need it. And caregivers are closer to several people who they can help, you know, which in a way starts sounding almost a little bit like assisted living <laughs> Well, it would be nice, wouldn't it? I mean, it, it does sound like assisted living, but I think you're not paying the, 
you know, the vast cost of the rent, the rent of uh, assisted living, right? Right. You know, you're doing more of an exchange. And I, and I really like that idea. As a matter of fact, nursing homes and assisted living facilities have opened their doors to college students and providing them with uh, rental spaces. And it's, a, it's an interesting concept. Yeah, and it's really wonderful also for just intergenerational contact. Right, right. Um, which mm-hmm. is another thing that I think can be really beneficial to um, to everyone, you know, yes. to spend time with people who are of different ages. Right. Now, in terms of uh, your plan for your own aging alone, another issue that, that we certainly as geriatricians encourage everybody to plan ahead for is the legal and financial um, advanced planning and also advanced planning for health, this sort of issue of who could step in and assist or take over if um, you become suddenly ill or have an accident or just uh, decline physically or mentally to the point where you can't manage uh, health decisions or legal affairs. So what have you, what are you planning for yourself, if you don't mind my asking, or what are people in the group, um, how are they approaching that, that challenge of who could be a, a power of attorney for health or for legal affairs? if the need arose? Um, Well, I can address how I plan to do or how I have done it is um, my sister-in-law who uh, works for the Adult Protective Services, she is my healthcare proxy. And the reason I chose her over my two sisters is um, because I think she, my sister-in-law is far enough removed emotionally from me, um, she wouldn't hang on and would really absolutely follow my wishes. <clears throat> Whereas I doubt my two sisters would do that. They would have a hard time letting me go. Now, other people, it's interesting because I hear stories that uh, individuals actually, <laughs> um, when they visit an elder care attorney, they don't even have answers. You know, for who to who to assign as your healthcare proxy. I mean, they can volunteer or they can become uh, the healthcare proxy, but um, but they even have a hard time figuring this one out about who will step in for me if I can't make the decision. Well, I guess um, I mean I think you brought up an, an important point, which is that even when we have family, we might very legitimately decide that they're not the best person Mm -hmm. to be the proxy Mm -hmm. for various reasons and that you can choose someone who's not a family member who's or not a blood relative who's an in-law or um a close friend yes um i have seen uh people designate their their friends although you have to be careful if it's a friend your age because if you both get older then then sometimes uh, the proxy is struggling with their own health concerns at the time when they're needed. And then there are also professionals, um, but that does cost money. Uh, there are professional fiduciaries, and I have had some patients uh, set up arrangements with professional fiduciaries who are trained to, to oversee people's affairs and finances and even health decisions, and they take over if the person becomes incapacitated. So I know those are some of the ways that people have have addressed it, but um, but yeah, it can be tricky to decide on on who is a suitable person. I it is it is, and I really feel for for the individuals who 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 do not have a close friend, maybe a younger close friend that they can count on, or another maybe younger family member. 
But I think that's a good idea. You always have to be aware of the age of the person you're selecting to be your um, your your healthcare proxy. Yeah. Well, the other thing is is in most cases one can designate a first choice and then an alternate yes. if the first choice is unwilling or unable right. to serve. So I think that's another approach is to um, if one chooses somebody one's own age to sort of have a younger person as an alternate if possible. So just in closing, can you share your top tips on planning for for aging alone and for people who don't have a spouse or adult children who might be able to step in for their aging challenges? What would be your top tips for the audience? Um, number one, plan early. Uh, start thinking about this if you're 45. If you're 45 and you're unmarried and you feel that there's a high probability you will not have children, then start planning now and think of start saving money and think about the ways you want to live out your life. I would also highly recommend uh, staying healthy, and that means uh, eating good, nutritious foods, and also stay very active. Start making very close social connections, and uh, and decide whether or not you plan to retire in that city that wherever you are right now if you are 45 for example but uh, it's very very important to maintain the connections or the social connections you have right now and also to start uh, developing hobbies and things of interest you know don't focus and I understand you're younger you're really uh, active in your in your profession, your career, and you want to be successful at that, but also start thinking about pastime activities. And, uh, you know, do you enjoy cooking or painting? And develop those skills in, in the craft. And um, so I, I would say those are the few, you know, take action steps and also get your legal work in place. And Yeah. Um, no, those are great uh, suggestions. And there's actually, I'll put a link to it in the show notes, but there's a good book that two elder law attorneys wrote called Five at 55, where they list the kind of five legal documents that everybody should have. And, and that includes those uh, kinds of power of attorney documents that we were, were talking about. And then it, I completely agree that being physically active and socially active is really important. Um, and then it sounds like you're suggesting that it might be good, especially if you're likely to age alone, to um, certainly at the time when you retire, think about moving to a place where you could stay indefinitely because you're going to, while you're, while you're uh, quite well and able, you're going to be involved in things and hobbies and build up a community and connections, and then those can help support you. That's right. So, well, Carol, thank you so very much for, um, first of all, for doing this work. I think, again, that it's really um, important work to bring up these issues that face the people who are aging alone and who are, quote unquote, elder orphans. Because in doing so, I think we could really make aging better for everybody. Um, and that's such an important issue for the country. So, so thank you for doing this work. And thank you for joining us today to talk about this. Thank you, Dr. Kernison. Thank you. It's an honor. And with that, I'm going to wrap up this episode of Better Health While Aging. If you have any questions about something you heard in this episode, you can post it on the show notes page for the episode. I'll also be posting some links to some of the resources that Carol and I mentioned in this episode. 
To find the show notes, visit betterhealthwhileaging.net and click podcast in the main menu at the top. Last but not least, if you've been enjoying the podcast, don't forget to support us by subscribing on iTunes. And if you've already done that, please leave a rating and review. This makes it easier for others to discover our show in iTunes, and I would love for the many people who are interested in health or aging or family caregivers to be able to find it and give it a chance. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Dr. Leslie Carnison, and I'm looking forward to you joining us for future episodes.